0: Uh, good morning to those of you who are guests my name is greg harris i 'm senior pastor here at Olive branch and uh, we 're just glad that you 're with us this morning as we are uh, kind of starting a different and a, a new a new series it's a really short one about two weeks where we 're talking about our future but one of the things I want to talk to the congregation about quickly is um, is some upcoming membership classes that are coming and some of some of us may have come from churches where hey we don 't do membership or you've never, you you don 't understand why in the world we do membership you know, and we want to encourage the, you guys if you haven 't gone through the membership classes you haven 't uh, connected in that way, I want to encourage you because it's our way of saying, hey, we're all on the same team together. We're all locked in to the same vision, core values, and direction. And by saying that, um, we know that some of you are serving. Some of you are already engaged. You're saying, hey, I'm on board. I'm, on, I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm doing something. We're like, that's awesome. But we want to know that we're all serving in the same direction. We want to know we're all on the same page. And, and that's the goal of our membership classes is to kind of encourage you, and engage you, and connect you into the deeper portion of the body with understanding of who Olive Branch is and why we do what we do, and so I want to encourage you guys, if you could and, and you can, let's swap this uh, this membership class in the next couple months as we do these next few ones, just to kind of lock these lock ourselves in place, marching in the same direction and, and going in this uh, going in this together. And so as we talk through that, um, we really kind of turn the corner towards our history initiative update conversation thing. And, and really, what I want to talk about is the vision for 2016. Where are we going over this next? year and what are we uh, what are we seeing and what are we going to be doing but before we do that let's let's just bow our heads and ask god to just bless our conversation and our thoughts as we go throughout our day and in this message too and lord we do we come before you we pray that you would enable us to understand um, what it means to take the right kind of detours understanding what it means to adjust our planning correctly to your your leading and your guidance and god that we would be the kind of people who are willing to um, Not be so arrogant as to write every plan in pen, but to understand that much is written in pencil because you can direct and change our paths. Pray that you would just lead us from here and that you would be exalted in everything that uh, we as a church long to do in your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. In fact, um, this morning again, if you're a guest, I want to. The reason um, I'm talking to you guys is because, hey, this isn't a normal sermon. Normally, we would be working through either a theological conversation or we'd be dealing with a particular book in the Bible. And this week, we've selected two weeks out of our year, and what we do is we talk about, hey, this is where we're going. This is what we believe God's called us to do for this year, and this is what our kind of our aims are. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning, and we're going to be talking through that. So not a normal message, but we're going to be talking about something we launched launched a year ago called the history initiative and we 're going to talk about a different angle. How many of you guys had to take any kind of detour on your way to church this morning? Anybody run into the construction on your way? Nobody? A couple of you? There's been construction down the street here for the last, oh, what, six months or so? Because of those apartment buildings, they've been put in. And there were times where I wasn't so sure I was in the right lane to turn left or right or whatever. Anybody else go through that one? Then you seriously are thinking, I'm going to die before I get uh, to, the, to the freeway, which is so much safer. And the... Um, And the reality to me was the detours can be confusing and frustrating, especially when they pack up cars. Because the the nature and the reality of a detour is honestly that they take longer and oftentimes lead you in places you never thought you would go. I've spoken a about the times I've gotten the chance to go with my brother-in-law up into the east, um, up into the Eastern Sierras, and as we were traveling last time a few years ago, we were going up into the Eastern Sierras. We were just north of Sequoia National Park, or Kings Canyon National Park, actually, and we were looking at the pass that's about at 11,000 something feet over in down into Kings Canyon, and we're going like, "Oh, that would be awesome. Let's go there." So we spent the night at a, at another lake, and we got up the next morning, packed up our stuff, and headed off, and we were were kind of told, hey, be careful. The pass is probably snowed out. You're not going to probably be able to make that. And we're like, eh, we can do this. So we grabbed our backpack, our our packs on, started hiking up. And we get to the pass. And literally, we start looking at it. And it just looks like this kind of random rocky hill with snow all packed through. And we're going, we we can't go there. But on our left, there was this smooth, straight incline of about maybe a mile of snow with some guy who's already traversed it, obviously, because there were footprints. And so we go, Let's take a detour. And so we literally took this one mile of snow. And I know the crazy thing about it is every step I'm taking, I'm putting in my feet where his feet went because I know he didn't fall through yet. So I'm kind of like carefully moving behind him and checking the snow going don't die. Don't die. You know, there's, there's a congregation I got to go home to. There's kids. There's, there's so much to going on in life. Don't die. So we're climbing this hill. We get up to the top, and we've just gone about a, a couple, we've gone a good thousand plus feet elevation. We're up above 11,000 feet. So we're winded, and we look, and we're like, okay, where are we trying to go? And it's about three miles now all the way over there um, beyond us. And the detour, though, led us to some vistas and some beauty that we would have never seen. And we managed to get where we wanted to go, but it took us longer, and it took us in a direction we didn't expect. And that's the power of a detour. And the detour is not unknown in Scripture either. In fact, if you want, and if you would, grab a Bible and open up to Acts chapter 16. I want to kind of lay out some understanding of detours here. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6 through 10, we get a, we get a picture of a man named Paul. Uh, Paul was the apostle who uh, went out, basically, his job was to plant churches wherever it wasn't known. And his major focus was, a, was what we commonly call Turkey today. And so he was living there on that peninsula of Turkey, and he's traveling around from church to church to church. In this case, he's just been given a letter by the Jerusalem Council, which was a, a gathering of all the churches that were around, to, de- to decide whether or not Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish, were going to be circumcised or not. And so they, and they said, nope, they don't need to be. God's already saved them. This is about trusting in Jesus Christ. Let's not add anything else. And so they go around encouraging the churches who are starting to think, hey, I've got to, I've got to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. And he's like, no. And as they're going along, they decide, let's continue in our journey. Let's go plant some more churches. And in verse six, they pick up this kind of thought. Verse 6, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. That's the center of modern day Turkey. So if you can, if you know where Turkey is, it's that big jutting space off the, on the um, far east coast of the Mediterranean. And what it's going on there is it's, they're walking right through the center of it, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's not China, Asia. That's the southern portion of Turkey. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, which was in the north. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, which is the furthest city you can get to in the coast. And so here's this picture. They're walking along and they're going, hey, we want to really plant some churches. Let's go south. And God says, no. I don't know, we don't know how he said no. We don't know in what way he said no. But something forbid them to get in there and, and preach. Either the Holy Spirit just gave them, said no, you're not doing that. And they went, okay, we got to obey the Holy Spirit, move on. Or there was some kind of blockage or pass or something that was kept from them. So they decided, okay, we'll keep going. In this case, to keep moving west. Well, let's go north. And God goes, nope, you're not going north. And so they keep going west till they run into the sea, and they're standing there at the edge of the ocean in this place called Troas where they pick up this guy named Luke, and suddenly in the middle of all this detours that they thought they were planning to go in these places, now they find themselves somewhere else. They get a vision in verse 9. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they'd have to literally get on a boat, travel across the sea to Macedonia, which was modern-day northern Greece. And so here's these guys. They, they, they're, they're trying to spread the gospel. And you think, God, God would never hinder the, the spread of the gospel. And he doesn't, but he focuses it. He gives Paul and he gives Silas a detour. And where they said, we're gonna do, we we want to do this and we want to do that, God said, nope, I want you to go there. Nope, I want you to go there. And he kept them narrowly focused until precisely he showed them where they were to go. You say, Greg, why, why are you proof texting what you're about to say to me? Well, I'm not trying to proof text. What I'm trying to show you is encourage you that, Guys, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the detours that we've, we are going to have to go on in our desires to, to reach in this love it, live it, and share it conversation we had a year ago. The, and I'm trying to share it because sometimes it can feel like, oh man, we failed. And that's not the point. The point is that we want to write these things and we want to write our mission statement to change everyday people into a community of passionate Christ followers. That's in Pen, but how we get there—the plans and the other things—need to be kept in pencil, because we need to keep them before the Lord, Lord, in a humble manner. And so we're going to talk about these detours that we're looking at, and our history and our history goals have been given a detour. And I want to lay these out. And I, and I think what you'll see is that these are—I think—they're exciting detours. They—they got interesting vistas, but they're going to add time. And I think that's the case that I'm trying to make. First of all, is that. Again, Olive Branch's ultimate direction, like Paul's, Paul was aiming to plant churches. His ultimate direction was not hindered. He'll end up planting churches all through Macedonia and Athens and Corinth. And eventually he will sail back to Ephesus, which is in Asia, and plant a church there. And so God just spent a longer route for him to get to where he wanted to. And in the middle of this, we have these goals, and and the ultimate mission is to change everyday people into a community of passionate Christ followers for the glory of God. That has not changed, amen? amen? We got that as a church. That doesn't change. That's, all, that's, that's gonna be what we're about as a church. It's gonna be where we're headed. And it's taking that great commission statement about loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and shoving them together in a way of saying, hey, everyday people need to be brought to a passionate following of Christ. And we don't do that individually. We do that in a community. And we do that for God's glory, not for human glory. And that's, our, that's what's behind that picture, and so we said, hey, last year, we're going we're gonna to do three things over the next two years in an aim to, to bring us to the place where we're continuing to see this valley of Corona, the Temeskow Valley, Elsinore, reached for Christ. And we talked about the love it and the live it and the share And these conversations of this idea of loving it, celebrating what God is doing, celebrating his story. I know everybody's like, eh, it's history. No, it's his story is what we're trying to say. And his story is history, but it's also moving into the future. And we want to love that and celebrate that story. We want to live it out in our lives. We want to see it spread into the hearts and minds of everyone around us. And we want to share that with everybody we can. And as we've talked through this then, we had, all, we had several different aims, some pretty uh, um, audacious goals. But when we launched this last year, just to be quite honest, it heated things up around here pretty hot. It was a pretty intense situation where we saw some of, some of the most... Um, Encouraging, exciting members of our church go, sorry, not up for that. See you later. Have fun moving. And we're like, we're not moving for like three years. What's Where are you going? Four years, what's happening? And, and, and we saw people that some of us knew and some of us loved go on to other ministries. And we pray that God will bless them where they've gone and will use them greatly. Amen? Because this is about the kingdom. It's not just about the church, this particular church. And so we want to we praise God for that. But at the same time, It also lays a a great weight in a church's system. And what you discover as you start working through this is the cracks in the pavement and the concrete and the foundation. And you start going, you know, what do we need to fix for us to be able to support what God wants to do here? Because we saw a lot of people come. And what happened is a lot of people came, a lot of, it leaked. Let's be honest. We couldn't, we weren't ministering well to the amount of people that we had coming to the church. And so, over the last year, I believe God has used this to really kind of challenge the staff and the elders and those in the church to go, hey, guys, what do we need to do to be better ministers of the gospel in and out of the church? And from that comes these detours, comes these adjustments. And really, we're still aiming at those history goals. We're going to still aim at those things we're talking about. But hey, it's a detour. It's going to probably take longer to get there. It's probably going to take a little bit more, um, more of a vista of a different direction. We don't know what God's up to, and that's why we want to remember in, the, in this conversation that, well, my proverb verses aren't showing up. So, that um, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, we have it very clearly laid out for us that the plans of man are not necessarily going to occur in the way that we think. I'll read it to you. The heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord is the one who establishes his steps. And that's where we want to realize, hey, let's always be learning. Let's always be open and available to allowing God's work to, to lead us and guide us. And the next one is Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, if you want to turn there with me. It is also talking about the plans of a human's heart. And it says in verse I gotta read again, 21. Many are the plans in the minds of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So in that conversation, just want to remind us that, hey, we had some audacious great ideas and some plans out there, but it's God who establishes them, and it's God's will that's going to be met. So let's not be arrogant. Let's keep our plans with an open hand. Let's allow God to put things in and take things out. But understanding that, let's not forget that plans are still something that we should begin to have. And so Well, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with a detour? How do we deal with this adjustment? This adjustment is going to have two different focuses. And the first focus is this, that one, I think what I've been convicted about and I think the staff has been convicted about is let's not get so caught up on the church that's not here yet. Let me say that again. Let's not get so caught up in the the church that isn't here, that you guys are are the church, that together we as Olive Branch minister better to we who are here today. That what we can do is continue to meet each other's needs, deepen each other spiritually, press each other further on, and not worry about, oh, that day in which we will be X big or whatever. I think that was probably overreaching, that that's up to God and that's not necessarily up to us. Our job is to be faithful, amen? And I'm just here to, I'm I'm here to just kind of step back and tell myself, hey, calm down, Okay? Hey, just so you know, pastors get really excited about growth. It's just how things happen. And every pastor in town probably puts their eye on the other church that's uh, down the street that's maybe bigger than them, going, Oh, what would happen if we were there one day? And the answer is, You just have more problems. <laughs> Same problems, just, just more of them, you know, and I get that. But the real call and the real heart is to be the kind of people who care and minister to one another. And in that, we'll talk about the fact that that doesn't mean we don't evangelize, amen? That means that if, we, if we're reaching people for Christ, we're bringing them into a healthy world. And that's the second portion, is that this is about health. This is about us being a healthy church. It's about you being a healthy Christian, That's not simply about you running through hoops. That's about how do you live in the United States in a crazy suburban place called Corona where you're taking your kids a thousand different sporting events or you're driving all over the place for your work and still have a deep spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. How do we do that together? So these are the two parts of the detour that I believe had led us on a journey towards health and towards a ministry in which we care about each other, but don't ignore that there's a great outreach to do around us. Amen? All right, here we go. How do you do that? You take it one step at a time. Remember that, I want you to just imagine in your head a giant ice shelf just straight up and it's just one step at a time. He didn't fall through, I didn't fall through. We're just falling right in the path that I think Christ has led us in. So, First of all, what we want to talk about is that on our His Story initiative, we, we want to focus here first. And that's what we mean by the love His story. Last year, our, our goals laid out were, hey, let's tell 104 stories of lives changed. Let's, let's see the attendance doubled in two years. Let's, uh, let's um, move towards that new building. And again, amen, I would, we would all love to see God bless us with reaching two times the amount of people going to, Christ, going to heaven. And when we talk about, we're not talking about church exchanges. That's different, you know. I think pastors should get together every once in a while and just go, okay, I'll give you five rookies for four veterans. And, you know, because people trade churches all the time. and we should do it on purpose and just kind of get the, no, I'm just kidding. But the reality is that's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is your friend who's smoking dope in his backyard who needs to know Jesus Christ. Come and receive him. We're looking for your alcoholic neighbor who's yelling and screaming at his kids, to, to hear that he needs Jesus Christ and there's a way out. We're looking for the people who are celebrating the 4th of July and they have no concept of God, but they love their country and they love their kids and they're taking their kids places that they need to hear, hey, there's a greater hope than just what is right now. Those are the people we're talking about we want to see come to know Jesus Christ. Hey, that happens when we are connected deeply with the Lord and transformed by who he is and walking with him in a healthy way. And so these goals are great. Their aims are nice, but our detour it, it first needs some focus. We're still going to tell stories. One of the things we said, we wanted to tell those stories, but I'll be honest. We have tried and tried and tried to form a team to get together to help us tell those stories. We don't have a lot of journalists in our, in our, in our, in our community, to be honest. We don't have a lot of people who've stepped forward and said, hey, I'll grab that and make a story out of it. In fact, we don't have a lot of people who like to tell stories. There's been a privacy problem around here a little bit too much, just to be honest. We've said, hey, tell your stories, and people are like, nah, nah, nah. No. Email me your stories. Why would I take the time to do that? Here's why we take the time to do that, because the stories of changed lives are the very things we hunger to hear. How do we know we're changing everyday people into a community of passionate Christ followers if you don't tell us how God's changed you? if you don't inform each other about what Christ is doing in your marriage with your children, in your workplace. That's one of the beautiful things about this conversation. We, in, in Luke 15, 7, what we said last year is this verse links in why storytelling and celebration go together. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In other words, when somebody says they've come to Christ, they've repented, they've raised their hand, we see baptisms, this place should explode with joy because heaven already has. There should be, if we're the instance of heaven on earth as the church, shouldn't we be partying as much as heaven is over the transformation of a life? Of, some, of a sinner who's come to Christ and been forgiven? I mean, that's the joy. That's what should be birthing in every church across the United States is the rejoicing in the great life-changing stories that are happening all over the place. That's why we all get amazed when we hear about China seeing 30,000 people a day coming to Christ kind of stuff. And you're like, what? That's called revival. And that causes more revival because people hear of the life-changing power of God. And so we want to tell these stories and we want to see the power. In fact, here's how a story works. A few months ago, we did baptisms here, right over here in the corner. And um, one man actually baptized his, his daughter and invited several of his family members to see that event. And in that celebration of that, of that they all went to lunch and they started talking. By that point, um, the dad of this child, he's, he's already only been here about four or five, four or five uh, months. And he's already invited well over 30 people to the church. Many of them getting connected in starting points. Some of them getting connected in other aspects of our church. Because one person can make a huge difference by telling a simple story of the life change of even their daughter. We see what life change does in our, in our James projects and how it impacts human hearts and it motivates us to movement. We just want to tell these stories because that is what God's doing. He's changing lives. It's happening all the time. We just need to let it out. So pray because our, our goal is really to find a communications person for the staff to help organize us to really speak that out. We, we've never hired a communications person on purpose. Because we've always focused on the discipleship portion before the, the, before the marketing and communication stuff here at the church. That discipleship stuff has all the staff members we need right now. It's time to start communicating. It's time to start speaking of those great stories. And so you can pray as we seek to kind of fill in that spot and, and, and put that piece in. Our, the next part of our detour, though, leads us here. It's going to keep us in El Cerrito a little longer. Uh, I don't know if I miscommunicated, but all the, every time I go out anywhere, people walk up and say, hey, I hear you're moving. And I go, yeah, like in five or seven years, it's going to take a while. Took us this long to get through the county process. We're not even done with the county yet. For the first move of the county, just to get our, our planning permit finished, it's taken a year and a half. And we still have to sit out there and watch if any little spotted owls pop their head up out of the ground. Not spotted owls, sorry, burrowing owls. Very different. So these these things apparently come out of the ground and they're gonna sit there and go, found one. Here's another one. You know, and we you know, so pray no no owls decide to make their home in our in our property out there. That's just it'll slow the process down even further. But the reality is that When we were talking about this, people see all that construction stuff out there. We're actually renting the land right now that's not to build with at this moment because all that mess down Temescal Canyon, yeah, we're storing that on our property currently because we have to pay property tax while we hold that. So that's what's going on there. We're trying to be wise with the use of that, also using it for various events like our sunrise service and things like that. But in the meantime, with what's gone on, there is a sense of like, well, we're going to be here for a little while longer. So why don't we be here as best as we can? The elders really, uh, we've all considered this, and and we're saying, yeah, uh, let's finish off the stage. Let's let our children's, uh, the kids block, actually be a place that our kids love to be in. They love being in there now, but let's make it a kids block. Let's make it what it's supposed to be. And so we have some plans and some intentions to beautify the campus and to get that up to date. The thing that excites me the most is that our youth ministry is on fire right now. They're growing, they're excited. If you're involved in youth ministry, um, you know what's going on there. If you're not and you've got teenagers, you should get involved because it's just gonna, it's gonna grow like crazy. And it, because what we're going to be doing is we're gonna be opening up the youth property again. It's been dormant for about two years and we've, we've invested about $100,000 in equipment and work down there and cleaning and beautification to launch that property, and we're going to have it done before Easter. All part of the History Initiative. What we're excited about is that this means we open several aspects to our youth ministry. For one, to continue to deepen our students, room to grow. Two, it avails rooms for us as adults to do ministry and discipleship. Three, it opens the house up for counseling and availability for, for private counseling during the week. All these things are going to be available just because of one simple relaunch of our, of our property down the street. And that to me is exciting. We are gonna invite you guys out for the, for the reopening of that. But also wanna give you another hint. If you've been invested in the History Initiative, we want you to make sure you head on over to, uh, to visit our youth director, Chris. And we want you to sign up and join us in one, ini- one part of this initiative that we've kind of retooled. And that is when you open a new place, you need chairs. The chairs down there honestly you wouldn 't you wouldn 't give them away they 're just nasty we 've been sitting on them for how i mean some youth in here we 've been sitting on those chairs for a while. they were bad when we were sitting on them in, way back ten years ago and so the reality is that these chairs need to be replaced and they're about 55 bucks a chair and that's pretty good price and what we're trying to do basically is, is ask you guys, if you've been part of the uh, history initiative, some of the money given there is going to go towards those chairs. If you're like, hey, I'd love to give a chair to the students, awesome, here's what we're asking for. Number one, pray over the chair that you give and number two, join us on the grand reopening. We want you to flip that chair over, we're going to give you a sharpie, we want you to write your prayer for that student on the bottom because we really do believe that there's going to be an explosion in our youth ministry to reach students. And it's going to come from the prayers of the adults, and it's come from the care that we give and from the leadership of that youth team. So join us in that. Go sign up. Just say, hey, I would love to pray over those students. I'd love to, I'd love to write a prayer on one of those chairs. I'd love to give a, a chair. You know, like, give a chair? Hey, you're using chairs right now. Our students don't need chairs. You're young. They're wiry. No, no, that's not how we want to do this. So... So, we're, we're, so that, that's all some of the picture of what we're looking at. But where do we go with, say, hey, guys, what about the property? Like I said, it's on a par, it's on a par course to end roughly at the end of June the, uh, the, the permit process that we're working through right now with that um, burrowing owl and all that fun stuff. At that point, we'll be able to then move into actual designing of the pro- designing out of the property and the phases, and you'll be able to see a little bit more. But it's kind of on a pause schedule right now because of that situation. And so people go, well, where's all the money going for the in- initiative if it's not going into the land? immediately?" Well, part of it is going into the land. It's going towards that to pay off that permitting process and all the, all the architect and all the information like that. But the second part is we sat down with the CFO, and we were talking about where that extra money fun- funds are, um, what do we do with it? Because right now we have about we have a roughly a million dollars in our bank account. We've, there's been a lot of faithful giving and a lot of faithful stewardship done with the money. And that is an honor to the finance team throughout the years that they've been very faithful with that, with that money. And so as we look at that, we're asking, well, where do we take this and in rightly invest it? Because right now we're getting 0% on our money in a bank account. And I don't think we want to go put it in the stock market at the moment. Anybody okay with me? Right? It's, it's not a long-term investment. We need the liquidity. The best result that we've come to the conclusion is we reinvested back in the $3.1 million that we've, we, we hold on our mortgage here on the property. We'd get 3% on our money by putting it back in here. Also, it reduces that so that it frees us when it's time to go. Possibly, if we could get rid of the debt here, if this note is gone you can use you, we we don't have to carry two notes then we don't have to sell this in order to build that so we understand it as an investment that's an appropriate investment if you got questions about that ask me later i'll, I'll kind of lay out what we're what we're looking at there and why we feel that is the best use of our of our dollars at this moment so we'll move forward though that's just an update information and so finally the the next one is talking about we want to live his story to see what it means in seeking health and I'm Again, if you're a guest, I'm sorry you have to listen to all this, but I really want you guys to kind of hear where we're at, that everything is healthy and it's moving forward than where it's been. Health has been our focus and our goal. Last year, we said, hey, we want to see a thousand groups, 200 disciples, and we talked about the new center. We've talked through that, but I want to talk about where we're at. Health, when I talk about this, is health in two places. Number one is health in in a way that we can grow. Paul writes it this way. Rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The church must function together rightly. When we don't use our giftedness rightly, when we don't function correctly, then it, it doesn't work. The body doesn't grow. The body doesn't grow in its depth, and it doesn't grow in reaching people. It leaks, or it gets sour and ugly. And the reality is that we have not been functioning rightly in a bunch of different ways. And one of the beautiful things is the reason I can tell you that our, our I can tell you about our financial health position is because every year we audit our health. Of our finances. Every year we bring an independent auditor in, they check our finances and they see that, hey, you guys, we get A's. We get A's every single year, A pluses and A's every single year. People aren't sneaking money around, it's being rightly put together, rightly recorded, and we're trying to manage your guys' money as, as rightly as we can. And, it's, and that, is, that is one thing, but it dawned on us. We're saying, hey, if we do that with our money, why wouldn't we audit every system? For example, the information that you give us about your names and your families. Isn't that important? That we make sure that's right and good and used appropriately. And so our detour is to focus on health and our staff, our systems, and our discipleship. And so we we looked at our systems, and and when we hired Eric a a couple months ago, he's dove in, and he's looked at our HR systems. He's been looking at all these things that, honestly, I could put you to sleep over right now, and I probably already am. But the reality is that these things are important, because here's what happens. If those things are broken, it distracts all of the staff that you guys have, have brought into place to minister to the people around us. It distracts them with doing detail work, typing in info, making sure that that's running when we realize you've got to run a report to kind of find out where we're at, takes three hours, two hours in some cases, you go, wait a minute, that's not a good system. How much time did we just spend that we could have used for ministry? And so looking at these systems and cleaning them up, and we've got some plans, and we've actually done a lot of that already, it's freeing up the team to do more ministry to others and refocus on systems to care and systems to, to minister one of the big problems last year when we launched this, we had, some, we had a pretty big hole, namely a, a worship leader hole. We didn't have somebody to lead that. And, and one of the things we've done over the last year is we've brought Mark on. I think Mark's doing a great job. You can tell me I'm wrong, but I think he's doing an awesome job. And having Mark in that space has been a huge relief to the Sunday team and the worship team, so that they have somebody who's driving forward, leading, and and, and taking that vision and that point. And he's just beginning and is starting to turn. We got some great things that we're going to be doing with services to grow and develop our worship in general together. Uh, we, we had a hole in our youth ministry, and uh, Chris Scalippo stepped that in. He's doing an awesome job. And you guys can cheer these guys. These guys have worked hard over the last year to bring these pieces in. We filled our business, our business hole with Eric Lazoya as he's stepped in. He's a, and he's brought some incredible, incredible insight and foresight to the team. We also know that we've got another hole that's sitting there that we've just kind of looked at for a while. and We've been trying to deal with, but it's our, our communications hole. And we're, we're looking to fill that in, in the next few months. And so God's added to the team systematically to fill the holes. And right now, if you're hanging around here on staff, there's so much energy and joy going on. There's so much passion moving forward. I love it. It's exciting. Um, I get excited to come here every day and guys because we're, we're, we're thinking about you and we're focused on the people around us and it's just, it's good. It's healthy. It's beautiful. And that turns then to the health and discipleship. You know, we, we would love to see more and more of us invested in one-on-one m- mentorship and so we've been retooling that and th- looking at how to invest that into our men's and women's ministry and instead of just some independent thing hanging around. We're looking at some options there, but you'll hear about it. It's going to be rolled out, God willing, sometime near the, near the fall time period, again, with a, a new curriculum and a new understanding, along with my goal is personally to launch our institute, a, conver- a place where some of you guys are like, I don't know, I've done mentorship. Look, I've got all this opportunity in my small group, and I've done all these curriculums. Where do I go deeper? And the answer is that we want the institute. Where do you learn to study your Bible correctly? Where are you going to learn apologetics? Where are you going to learn theology? You're going to go to a Bible school and pay a lot of money. We want you to be able to have an opportunity to not rack up debt to learn about your God. And so we were, going to, we're going to bring in an invested team to help you guys and help all of us to grow deeper in our faith. And I hope to launch a few of those classes this fall. But more importantly is just um, is the big two, the member care aspect of our church. Number one in our member care is our small groups. And I'll be honest, I'm so proud of our small groups. 75% of our congregation is in small groups at this point. With a group of people surrounding them who care about them, praying with them, walking with them, deepening their, their understanding of Christ in various studies, Justin and his team has done an amazingly great job of organizing our small groups. Amen. And you know what, when we see this, and I saw a crowd of 50 some odd leaders just of our small groups in our B Auditorium being celebrated and some amazing jokes being thrown at the stage, it was awesome. Um, it It was a great time. I know there's just great health going on there. If you're not in a small group, this is the season to get engaged. In fact, there's a group link happening today. Justin, what time is that happening now? First, right now after first, or one o'clock. So and I would say, you, you want to invest some time today in the rainy day? Come back, go to one o'clock, get at the group link. Get, in, get invested in our small groups. You will find a group of people who will care about you, connect with you, and to go deeper with the word and in study together. And, and there's just, it's just one of the best pieces of our church. It's a shining beacon. And added to that then is also going to be another piece where uh, Brent Branshaw's been working on to launch member care. And that's where somebody's going to give you guys a call and just go, hey, we love you. How are you doing? And to get two calls a year just to say, hey, this is where you're at. We know that when we lost people, we're going, where'd they go? We want to be sure that as people grow in our church, they're consistently cared for. And Brent has been working hard on this and a great team is forming around him just to care for our membership. That's going to be launched in the next few months. Excited about these pieces. Now, these detours, the final detour is really the one I don't have to call a detour. To share his story means that you share it with your neighbor. And what we mean by that is sending out globally they were still aiming at the same goals. And Kevin Kane's been marching at those goals and knocking those goals out. Globally, we see our team. It's in New York. It's prepping, and it's going to be launched by the end of the year to Papua. Um, they, had to, they had to write it in pencil Africa. I know everyone's like, Africa! And it was like, we penciled it in. Things changed. We're looking at Papua to reach Muslims in, in Indonesia. And so it's an excellent shift. It, it, the team will fit well. They're going to their vision trip in the next four or five weeks to go to Papua to take a look at it. They're going to be gone. We've already got a second team beginning to ask questions, and they're not a full team yet. They're not even, not all of them are sold out to go, but by the end of the next couple of years, we'll actually have a a second church-based team to send out in missions from Olive Branch. And so we're, we're on that. We're seeing that move forward. Locally, we are all, we're developing tools to help you guys. You're going to hear about some, some packets for some block parties, things like that, that you guys can invest in and take home and actually begin to get to know your neighbors and connect with your neighbors. We hope to launch a ministry that can begin to enable you to connect with your neighbors. We're talking with Mexico to deepen that and continue to develop that ability to reach out in a different country, and give you those hints and those directions. And really, we're we're continuing to see this development. As we saw 75 people come to Christ through Olive Branch last year, through our jail ministry, and all kinds of other places. And so there's constant development of people coming in. And maybe you need to join Launchpad. You don't know how to connect with your neighbor. We've been offering Launchpad, and it's not just about how to talk to atheists. It's really just about to share your faith without puking it out on somebody. That's, that's, that's Kevin Kane's affectionate terminology um, because what he says is that a lot of people have been trained just to go, Jesus, 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 and they're like, whoa, that's like a disease. I don't want that. What is that? Instead to be incisive and connect with people and care about them and share the gospel and find out their worldview and just put a stone in their shoe as they walk. Make them think, make them ponder, and eventually come to a place where hopefully they receive the love of Christ because you presented it to them in a clear way. And that's what Launchpad does. And I think this is for everybody in our church, nobody should think, hey, I'm above that. Unless you're bringing people, unless you're Greg Laurie, you're not above that, okay? So all of us need to be able to, to get it down to reach people, our neighbors for Christ. So we want to connect you in that. So, but the bottom line is, detour or no, we need to commit our plans to him. As it says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And that's really what we're doing here to bring this before you guys and say, this is what we hope to do with a hand open. We understand things change and they may change in the next three months. You guys may go crazy in reaching people for Christ and we may have to revamp everything, right? Because who knows what God does. Then again, there might be a giant global catastrophe and we're all in poverty in in the next few months. You don't know where it's going to go. You're like, Greg, do you know something I don't know? No, I don't. I'm just telling you, we don't know where it goes. So we need to keep our plans in the open hand, but leaving leaving them before the Lord. So that's what I ask that we would do together as we close. It's to realize that we're going to lay these plans before the Lord. Yes, there's a detour. How do we take that detour one step at a time? And we leave it at the feet of the Lord, that he would be the one who brings our plans to fruition. So would you join with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to just think about where you could be taking us, of, of listening carefully to what you may be guiding us in. And God, we're, there's so many th- other things that I would love to stand up here and talk about. I know that, God, you just basically, um, you're just basically asking us to leave this with you. So we do. We, we have these great desires to, to love your story and, and to see your name celebrated. We have this great desire, God, to live it out and watch ourselves deepen with health and and to know you intimately and greatly. And God, we have this desire to share it with this community, with this valley and see the thousands and thousands of people that surround us that don't know you come to know you with the whole communities that are being grown up around us, that they would hear your gospel. But God, we can't do this without you. Every great plan is, is only a piece of paper or a bunch of thoughts if you don't establish them and make them happen. So we commit this to you. We ask you adjust even these detours as they're necessary. That you'd be glorified and that you would be exalted in everything that goes on. We surrender ourselves over to you. Use us as you see fit. Make us less that you'd be more, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.